That's all right. How are you? Well, good morning to you. We, uh, as Holly said, we and and Peter said, we are in week two of a series called Nope. These were things where Jesus came and said, nope to this, nope to that. And, and each one of these, he begins with beware, beware of this, beware of that. So we're looking at, we're looking at the way of truth today. How many of you have uh, ever been, uh, somebody tried, either successfully or unsuccessfully, somebody tried to scam you? Probably everybody in the room, huh? That just stinks. Doesn't that stink? It just, there's one now, and it's been going on for a while, and it, this one really bothers me because it's called the grandparent scam. So they target would-be grandparents, and it starts out where the, the, the person will call, the scam, scammer will call and, and say, uh, hey, Grandma, guess who? And then Grandma will guess whoever that voice sounds most like the scammer is, build the trust, and then go ahead and try to bilk her or him, if it's a grandpa, for money for rent or car repairs or whatever. And now, in the day of AI, they will actually go and secure videos from social media and get the voice there and clone the voice. And they will go on and look at whoever the, the, per, the person that they're going after and figure out information about grandma and grandpa so it sounds very convincing. And then they hear the voice of what they thought was or who they thought was their grandchild asking for money for whatever need. Oh, this is where I feel like it would be an occasion where we bring back tar and feathering. Huh? It's just not okay. That's just... That's just diabolical. uh, I've had conversation. I can't get into it. I can't get into it. I left that part out. I have. I have talked. I have literally had somebody stay on the line with me as I talked to them and gave them a gospel message for five minutes. And they didn't hang up on me. They listened. And I remember asking them at the end, I said, what do you feel about this? He goes, you you better pray for me. And he hung up. Because I was like, hey, look, I said, he was trying to get me. I said, look, don't hang up. I just want to talk to you. What, what, where's your brain? What, what are we thinking here? Because there's a way better life for you. And, and, and then he let me talk to him for like five minutes. It was, it was good. I don't know that he did anything with it. But as long as there have been people, there are people who look for ways to take advantage of people. That's, that's what happened. We might call them scam artists or con artists or, or whatever. They speak falsehoods. They promise more than they can deliver. And they always leave people worse off than when they found them. And Jesus said, this happens in the church. He said, this happens in his church. He calls them false prophets who come and bring half-truths or complete lies in his name. So I want us to look at this week's beware statement of Jesus. He said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20, he said, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. 
A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. These are the words of Christ. I'm telling you what, this is a relevant message for today and where we're living in, the times that we live in today. I want to answer three questions about this topic that are going to help us to understand how this warning from Jesus is still very pertinent in 2023. So first is this. Write this down if you're, hopefully you've got the app by now and you've got notes and you can, you can reference them later. What is a true and false prophet? Let's start there by defining what a prophet is, what the scripture says a prophet is. You ready? Write this down. Prophet is a messenger or mouthpiece for God. So a prophet would receive a revelation from God through a dream, through an impression, through a vision, a voice, and then they speak to people on God's behalf. In the scriptures, we see many named prophets like Samuel, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Jeremiah, we also see women prophets like Miriam and Deborah and Anna. So the function of prophets and prophecy, this, it carried over, not just from the Old Testament, times before Christ, but it carried over into the New Testament. The first being John the Baptist who prophesied the coming of the Messiah, that Jesus was coming. And prophecy, not just a prophet, but prophecy is listed in the New Testament as a gift of the Holy Spirit, which is the ability to supernaturally discern and share God's truth with another person. Prophecy. It's not just, you know, foretelling the future. It's forthtelling a supernatural revealed truth for a person. And I've been the recipient of that many times. Or I've seen that happen many times where somebody receives a true, like a word from the Lord for that person. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's life changing when it's done right. When it's done right. But there have always, everybody say always. There has always been false prophets as well and false teachings that have pulled God's people away from truth. You only counterfeit something that's real. And there have been. This idea of false prophets that was carried into the New Testament, it wasn't just that Jesus said it. Also, the apostles talked about this too. First century church had to be aware of this, and so do we. Second Timothy 4, look at 3 and 4. It says, for the time will come. Now, check this out. Just be a thinking person this morning and think about this verse and see if it relates to us. The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Gather around. I want to hear what I want to hear. I'm going to find somebody who says it the way I like to hear it, who what I want to hear, and then I'll follow that person. As we read the Gospels and the letters to the first century church, we see that both Jesus and the apostles recognized that there would be false teaching in the church. There would be people who intentionally do this and some who unintentionally, they're just blind, who would do this and lead people away from truth, lead people away from what it means truly to be a follower of Christ. So this brings us to a question. How do we identify false prophets and false teaching? I mean, if it's a reality in our day and age, and I promise you it is, how do we identify it? 
So this is, this is, this is, uh, this is why we came to church this morning. We're going to get down on this. In the first scripture that we read this morning, Jesus said that false prophets or false teachers come disguised as what? Anybody remember? Sheep. Sheep. Harmless sheep. He's telling us that false prophets and teachings, they are not immediately recognizable. They look harmless. They come and appear righteous. The message can sound very appealing, but Jesus says eventually you will know that they are wolves trying to tear you apart and trying to tear you away from God. He says, how will you know them? And then he said this statement. He said, by their fruit. By their fruit. Now, we've talked about what fruit means uh, because it's a metaphor that's often used in the scriptures about the, the, what, what is born, what is the result, right? Jesus is saying if you give it time, just like a tree, they're going to show their true selves. Give it time, that message is going to come out. You're going to see it. At first, it looks like a sheep. It looks gentle and cuddly and come over. Oh, I love that. Sounds good. My itching ears like that. But in time, you're going to see it's ravenous. And its intention through false teaching is to take people out of the grip of grace, out of God's hand, and into a false way of living. So we've talked about that before. If it's a good fruit, it'll bear the fruit uh, that it's intended to bear. If it's an apple tree, it's going to bear apples, right? If it's an orange tree, doesn't matter if it's a fig tree, doesn't matter if it's a watermelon tree, doesn't matter. I just want to check to make sure everybody's awake there. They're like... Okay, you're, you're, you're with me. All right, we identify false prophets by, we're going to look at this this morning. This is one of those Sundays where it's like, a, I, as a, in a, in a pastor, I want to equip the folks who come to this church to call it home say, okay, be, this is how we identify this. This is, how we, this is how we do it. We identify false prophets by the fruit of their, number one, character. By the fruit of their character. Someone might call themselves a minister or a pastor or a prophet or a seer or an enlightened one, but does the fruit of their lives match up with Jesus? Meaning, does their life align with the teachings of Jesus? Do they live and love like the Bible says? We got to look at that. And that doesn't mean, uh, I'm not talking about somebody who never messes up because otherwise I would be categorized a false prophet because everybody messes up. But you're looking at somebody, when somebody claims to be a teacher or a pastor or whatever, they're, they're spouting off a theology or a philosophy or whatever, we want to look at, does their life match up with Scripture, with the teachings of Jesus? So I see this in the church today in, in, a, in a number of ways. Um, you've got some so-called uh, Christian pastors in churches who have unabashed hatred for people who are not like them. And you can think of names of churches or whatever else. I, 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 I'm always, I never, I, I don't talk names. But there's, there's plenty out there that they're, they're violent and they're anger and they're hostile towards people who they consider not doing it God's way or whatever. Those, those men and women are false prophets. They are, they, are not, they are not God's messengers. Why? Well, number one, Jesus said you could tell by their fruit. And look at the character of this. That can also apply to in our day and age where, where there are 
Christian leaders and stuff like that who use other people in order for them to fulfill their lust for success and greed and money and power. And that's a real thing. I've known them where they wouldn't admit it. Maybe they started out right, but over time it's like they see it as an opportunity, right? Make Jesus your choice so I can get a Rolls Royce, right? (laughs) Kind of a thing. And it's wrong. It's wrong. I started out in the ministry one time in what was called at that time a prosperity doctrine. And I was on staff at a church that believed that way until I felt so convicted that I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. This isn't the Jesus that saved my life. The New Testament book of Jude is one of the smallest books in, in the Bible. It's only one chapter, and it's devoted to confronting corrupt teachers. I want to read a passage out of this in verse 4 of Jude. It says, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality. And they deny Jesus Christ as their only sovereign and Lord. They pervert the grace of God. Grace is wonderful. That's one of the major themes we talk about around here. The love of God and the grace of God. The mercy of God. But they pervert the grace of God and make it a license for immorality. Saying, ah, it doesn't matter. So, and he says they're going to slip in among you. Jude is saying that some people, and I would add not only then but now, they twist the scriptures and they pervert the grace and the goodness of God to not only indulge their fleshly desires, but teach other people that it's okay for them to do so as well. It says it's watching. This is why we are watchful. We pay attention to messages that, are, that, that we're hearing, to books that we're reading, to podcasts that we're listening to, to uh, TED Talks that we're listening to, all of it. We pay attention to these things. The fruit shows us who they really are. So we identify false prophets by the fruit of their character, but then also, and this is so important, by their content. By their content. Here's what I mean. Does their message that they're purporting, does their message line up with Jesus? Does their message line up with the Gospels? Is it congruent? Is it, is it complementary? to the Gospels. And remember, false prophets and false teaching, it's not always easy to recognize right away. Jesus says it can come in as a disguise. We think it's a sheep, but really it's a wolf. It comes this way, not overtly. The most common, hear me on this, the most common way false teachers have done this throughout history, as well as today, is to overemphasize one aspect of Jesus' teaching and ignore the other parts. This is what will happen. They'll overemphasize one aspect and, and, and ignore the other parts. So this means they quote Jesus selectively. Not all the counsel of God. They quote Jesus when it benefits them and what their agenda is. Then they use Jesus, just like they would use somebody else. They don't come right out and speak against God's word. They just twist it. They just twist it. They focus, for example, only on the blessings of God. God wants to bless you. Does God want to bless you? 100%. But do you know that God also calls us sometimes to suffer for his name? They leave that part out. They will maybe only focus on the love of God. Do we talk about the love of God around here? Every week. It's the, it's the only thing that has saved me. It's the only thing that keeps me. I am, I am undone by the vastness of God's love. 
but they won't talk about how that we're also called to repent and identify the sin in our lives and turn from it. We're going to leave that part out and just talk about the love. Just talk about the acceptance of God, but leave these other things out. And that's, that's the danger here. Here's, what, here's, here's an example that I love about Jesus. I was thinking about it yesterday. An adulterous woman is caught in a very act of adultery. You may know this story. Is brought by these religious leaders, the Pharisees, and thrown down at the feet of Jesus. Remember this story? Maybe you've heard it. And, and they say, well, the law says that she should be stoned. And, and uh, what do you say, teacher? They're trying to trip him up, you know. And, and Jesus says, okay, how about you know, whoever is the, the first among you who you know, has never sinned, why don't you cast the first stone? And don't you love Jesus? He's like, I got your number. And yet there was one in that crowd who was without sin, Jesus. They leave. She lifts her head. He says, where are your condemners? And she said, well, they've all gone. He says this, and I love this. This is, this, this is Jesus. This is what it means to be a Christian too. He says, neither do I condemn you. That's love. I'm not here to condemn you. And then he says, now go and sin no more. You see the both? We've got we've to be secured and rescued by the love of God. But then there's our part to turn from this stuff and to begin to live a life of obedience. This is what we're tasked with as pastors and teachers. And I can tell you, Man, this is true for myself. I can tell you it's true for the pastors in our network, uh, 100%. We attempt to do our best to teach the whole counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, the love of God, the justice of God, right? The holiness of God and the beauty of God, the whole counsel of God, all the scriptures. My theology is not perfect. Our church's theology isn't perfect. I think it's like, you know, almost perfect but we are doing our best I can promise you doing our best to teach the whole counsel of God not selectively just quoting certain parts that you know make us feel good for the moment but don't bring anything that's sustainable in our lives to really build us up to get us on a a, a sure foundation and we need all the counsel of God for our lives to be built on him all the counsel of God all of it. We want him to be Lord of all of our lives. And I'm telling you this, it is not easy to always align yourself with what the scriptures teach. It's not because sometimes it places you in direct opposition of what the culture around you is telling you is right and telling you is loving. Sometimes doing that, I'll be honest with you, sometimes, I, I will, just, just plain and simple, sometimes the Bible, sometimes God, because uh, I, when I, when I, I know him, I read the scriptures too, and I'm, I'm like, sometimes he calls me to stand in things that I just don't want to. I don't want it that way. This is, this is just Mark, October 1st, 2023, not like 20 years ago. I'm talking today. It's like, I don't want to have to stand for that. But it's not about me, is it? I don't get to, here, I don't get to make him in my image. I don't get to do that. I don't get to, I don't get to create my own thing called Markianity. <laughs> you know? Come and join it. 
reliance and allegiance to the Bible has borne the most excellent fruit mankind has ever witnessed. I'm not talking about some religious knucklehead who's beating people over the head with a Bible. To submit yourself to the authority of Scripture and to the Lordship of Jesus Christ will bear the most exquisite fruit in your life. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. False teachers, they will be selective. They will completely ignore or explain away the teachings of Jesus or whole sections of Scripture just to justify their behavior and their belief. They have set themselves up on the throne. And that's a characteristic of a false prophet or a false teacher. Jesus is Lord. If we're struggling with that, welcome to my life. If you're struggling with making Jesus Lord and abiding in his ways and aligning yourself completely wholly with scripture, that's called being a human being. We're naturally in rebellion. We naturally want our own way. Am I right? Don't leave me hanging alone. I'm right. We, we naturally want our own way. And I'll tell me what's right and wrong. And I'll tell me what's not this and that. I am, I am. No, you're not. He is, I am. You ain't, I am. He is, I am. And so, but it's a process, isn't it? Of coming under his lordship. Second Corinthians chapter 11 says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach or a different kind of spirit than the one you received or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. We don't change Jesus or the message to accommodate our fancies or our ideologies or what our preferences were or what we think would be right or what we think would be fair or what we think. No, sometimes following Jesus, man, it's awesome. Most of the time, following God is awesome. I, I can't imagine not wanting to walk with him. But sometimes it costs you. It costs you where you die to what your flesh wants and say, I got to make him Lord of my life. That's just the full counsel of God. All right, so we identify false prophets by the fruit of their character, their content, and also their consequences. This means their results. What, what does their message or their ministry ultimately produce? You evaluate and say, what's it producing? What's the fruit? What are the outcomes of that place, of that person? Are people's lives being transformed by the power of God? Are people growing? Is Jesus the star of the show or is somebody else the star of the show? We look at that. Are people learning to see themselves as sons and daughters of God? That they're equal in the church? Or is there a caste system in the church? You know, where these are more important than these and these should serve these. And No. What's the fruit that's being born from that ministry or that church or whatever else? Look at what Paul says to Timothy. He said, Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Ever say guard. guard. That means you put a guard not only over your heart. You keep that for Jesus. You keep that for your spouse, for your children. You put a guard on your heart. You also put a guard on your mind. What you allow and receive is truth. You put a guard there. He said, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussions with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. You know? Do you think this relates to today's day and age? Whee. 
Paul says the ultimate consequence of following false teaching is that it will lead you away from Jesus. Now, one of the ways that we've seen this in the past decade or two is when entire denominations or a whole church or a pastor or a, a, a believer will change part of their theology just in order to fit in with, better fit in with the culture around them. And we've seen that. We've watched entire denominations leave uh, uh, the Judeo-Christian faith in, in sound doctrine in order to try to accommodate cultural preferences. And so they have left. And you watch. It goes down. Lives are not being transformed. We've had churches and Christians essentially get to a place where they say, you know what, Jesus is Lord, except for this area of my life. I'm going to follow Jesus, but not in this area. And whenever a denomination or a church or a Christian does this, it doesn't work because Jesus is no longer Lord. And you can tell by the fruit, meaning what's being born, it's going, it's going down. And we desperately, um, and I'm not getting on a soapbox right now, I'm not tackling any particular cultural issues or anything like that. I'm saying we live in a day where culture is preaching to you 24-7. And, and you and I have to know what do I believe. And I have to guard my heart. I have one, one of my most favorite churches where I started out in ministry. It's a church of about 5,000 people. Phenomenal fruit. Phenomenal fruit. For years and years, decades. Then a couple years ago, the pastor, who I love this guy, uh, I don't know, uh, just seemed to be uh, very concerned about being culturally relative and being able to relate to what's going on in culture. And so there began to be certain compromises, you know, in the name of being, you know, uh, oh, there's so many words I could say that I just will be trigger points for people, so I'm not going to say them. But they just, the, he tried to be very relevant to culture and went down that way and the church began to stop being the way they used to be with standing just by God's word and letting it, let, sometimes there's a tension when you wrestle with God. Do you ever have to wrestle with God over something that you don't like? And as preachers, we're not supposed to go, oh, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Let me take that out of the Bible. That's not doing anybody a favor. This is what the scripture says. If you got to wrestle with it, that's what I got to do too. We have to wrestle with it. Well, they stopped wrestling with it and just went the way of the culture. They shut down a few weeks ago. They had gotten all the way down to 300 people from 5,000. And now they exist no more. You can't. You try to please everybody, you please nobody. You try to be relevant for everybody, everything. I want to be loving to everybody. But I can't accommodate everybody, make sure they don't feel uncomfortable. Because sometimes, sometimes, God's word or the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and the lordship of Christ just is uncomfortable, isn't it? It is. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. I mean, healthy marriages, Mary and Ellen and I, we have times where it's uncomfortable with something that we're dealing with where she is obviously not getting it. <laughs> right? And it's like... You know, I don't leave her. I give her time. Figure it out. <laughs> no, but in a, in a healthy relationship, don't you have like struggles where there's tension? It's like, but you work at it. You deal with it. You die to your selfishness or whatever else you prefer. It, it's that. It's the same way with our walk with God. 
Most of the time, I was like, God, I love this. I love what you do for people, man. I'm, I was with somebody today after I, I mean, not today, this week, and after we got done talking and I heard their, his whole testimony and everything going on, he left. I bawled. I, I, I literally, I, I, this kind of sounds kind of silly, but I put my finger up towards God and I said, I'm so proud of you. It's like he needs me to say that to him. Thanks. <laughs> did you hear that, angels? Mark's proud of me. <laughs> but I did. I said it because I'm like, you're so good. I'm so proud of my God. He is so good. I watch him love people, love me and love others. And yet sometimes it's like, God, it's so hard to serve you because I don't want to acknowledge that as truth. It's like, it's my truth. You got to trust me, Mark. This is my, this is my gig. You have to trust me. It's hard sometimes. We need to be on guard. We need to look at the fruit, the character, the content, the consequences. All right, let's look at the last question this morning. What's my protection against false prophets and teachings? The first one is this, knowing God's word. That's the first thing of my protection is to know God's word. We need a standard of truth outside of ourselves by which we can sort through what is true and what is false about God, about our world, about myself. A standard of truth that is, transcends you that is greater than you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth has a name. His name is Jesus. So if he said it, it's truth. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's truth. There is truth in 2023. His name is Jesus. So Proverbs or Psalm 119, 105, he's, uh, the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. This is why I encourage you, be in a growth group that's gonna look in the scripture. Download the Bible in one year app. Be in the Bible, get to know the word of God. Get to know the word of God. I encourage you that a man that I cared for very deeply in my life, um, I remember the time, he's passed away now, but I remember the time he said to me, it doesn't matter, Mark, what you believe so long as your faith is real to you. And that sounded kind of poetic or something that, you know, like, hmm, you know, that sounds good. It doesn't matter what you believe. So long as your faith is real to you, that's what matters. That's just not correct, though. What if what you believe is not true? What if the message that you're saddling up with is not true? Then it's going to have an effect on you. I thought about that this week. I grew up as a kid in the 70s, and I remember hearing about a man named Jim Jones. I don't know if you remember him, but he had a temple in San Francisco, and it led over 900 people into suicide by drinking a juice that was laced with cyanide. Some of you may remember this time area. I know uh, some of you are too young to remember that. Uh, but if you've ever heard the phrase, you know, don't drink the Kool-Aid, that's where it comes from, is, is that horrific event. Here's the thing. I don't know if you know this about him. In his following, the people that followed him, he had civic leaders, teachers, lawyers, businessmen and women, owners. He had legitimate people following him. He distinguished himself through the civil rights activism. He founded his temple as a 
fully integrated congregation. See, that part was great. He started out hot and on fire and doing some real things. He was appointed as the chairman of the San Francisco Housing Authority Commission in the 70s. The chairman. Later, he began to descend. He wanted to exert control. He began to be very vocal about his rejection of traditional Christianity, and he began promoting a form of anti-capitalism that he called apostolic socialism. And this is when it got dark. Now, he had about 3,000 people in his temple, 3,000. And he was charismatic, but he began to be abusive with his power. He ended up, in 1978, he moved his commune to Jonestown, Guyana, northern part of Central America. He ordered a mass suicide. They practiced fake ones, and then he ordered the real one. 900 commune members claimed their lives because he said they were all going to die and live blissfully together in the afterlife. 900, including about 300 children. See, that's called demonic. That's the activity of devils through people. The thief, the devil, has come to steal, kill, and destroy. None of those followers, none of those lawyers or businessmen and women or activists, none of them started out thinking that they would ever follow a madman to their death. They just slowly ebbed away. You say, Mark, well, that's a little dramatic, and it is, because it was dramatic, because it was tragic. Here's my point. We need to anchor ourselves in truth. Do you have anything outside of your own mind that is truth to you? I do. It's, it's called the Bible. I believe in it. I believe in the authority of the scriptures. I really do. And I've seen it bear more fruit in my life than anything else ever have. I've seen it bear more fruit in people's lives. I've seen more lives transformed. I see that there has been nothing, not religious Christianity, but true Christianity, following the ways of Christ, has borne more fruit in our world than anything else. You think of the greatest humanitarian efforts across the globe. They are faith-based. And so that's my hope. If we don't have one thing that is open, I mean, that is higher than just the other voices, then we get carried away by other voices. That may sound reasonable in the moment, but over time you see that the fruit is not good. The last thing I want to say is a second way to protect yourself. Not only know the content, be, be in, the, in the word of God, know that, but stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. I'm sure you've heard this before, but you know how people who work in banks are, are, are taught how to spot, spot counterfeit, right? Is that they just study, they hold, they, they study, and they, they spend time with the real. And so when the counterfeit comes by, they, they can spot it. Not good. That's, that's a counterfeit. It's the same way with Jesus. He says, my sheep are going to know my voice. Why? Because they're with me. When somebody else calls to them, they're not going to go. Why? Because they know me. They know me. And I remember, and maybe you've had this happen too. It's like before I ever really knew the Bible all that well, because I hadn't been to Bible college yet. I hadn't been really studying or anything like that. Um, but I had, I had God in my heart. And I remember, you know, uh, certain voices out there and I, I, remember, I couldn't tell them like no you're wrong because it says in first corinthians 12 i didn't have that reference yet i just knew no i don't that's not there's something off that's not jesus that, that's not right 
Maybe it's because you're, you're tickling my itching ears. Jesus convinces my heart. You know, you're trying to appeal to fleshly things in my life. He speaks directly to my spirit. And sometimes it's just a wooing and it's beautiful and sometimes it's cutting and it's sharp because it's something I need to deal with. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torments or torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse. Why? Read that with me. Because it is built on bedrock. It's built on his word. I'm going to ask the, the worship team to come back up and close with the song this morning. Jesus' warning to look out for false prophets should be cause for us to be you know, careful and cautious. There's a lot of voices in society right now screaming for your allegiance, right? Ideas that are out there, but it should also be a sober reminder and caution of the false prophet that's right inside here, inside me. Me trying to tell myself and justify things and actions and behaviors and all of that. We all can lie to ourselves if we allow our own ideas to lead us astray out of the authority of who he is. He is. He is a firm foundation. He is the foundation that I want to build my life on, my marriage on, my family on, my finances on, my future on. It's on him, Jesus. Anybody here doing it perfectly? There's the door if you are. You need to, you scare me. <laughs> We're a work in progress. But what my, my, my hope for you is the same, is the same for me. It's Will you choose Jesus? You might be awkward at that. Maybe it's, it's an immature expression. Will you choose Jesus? Will you take a step further towards him today than you did yesterday? Will you take more of a posture of surrender in your heart this morning than maybe you have been doing and say, God, I don't want to be fooled. I don't want to believe a lie. I need you to be Lord of my thinking and to be my truth. I want to build myself. He won't fail you. He will be there for you. He will lead you. He will establish you. He will. He will. That's who he is. Will you choose him? Let's all stand today, right now. Let's, uh, I want to sing this song as we close this morning. We're going to sing this song, A Firm Foundation. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, be our everything, God. We want to come under, under you, your headship, who you are, Lord. We need a lot of help, God. We need to get some things aligned in our own hearts, things we already know about. And there's, there's areas, there's areas in my life I'm not even aware of that, that are wacky. I pray, God, that you would reveal your truth. Help us, Lord God to be established in you. Thank you that you will never fail us and we can trust you. In Jesus' name, we celebrate that. Amen. Let's, let's declare and worship with this song.